Blog Talk Radio. This is All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009, featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Share your question or comments using the live chat feature on our website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Again, that's www.allaboutwinebtr.com. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. Right. 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 Thank you. Beautiful, beautiful day here in Florida. Beautiful. Thank you, people. Thank you. They, and because they are not in Bismarck, North Dakota. That's true. Uh, I think. I think we should also. Uh, where's my other cheering uh, thing? Um, I don't know if you saw it on the news about 15 minutes ago, or maybe 30 minutes ago, about SpaceX Falcon 9 heavy rocket, but they have. Yeah, it take off. They have it took off, and from Cape Canaveral, and they had a successful launch. And about I forgot how many six minutes later, the boosters returned and land right in the center of the launch pad. Oh, wow. I have I have never seen it before. But I was getting ready for this, and all of a sudden I heard, "Get out of here quick! Get out of here quick!" And I was like, "Oh my oh. God! You know what's going on?" And sure enough, this thing, just like a I don't know what you call it, a rocket, but you know, flame and all coming back down, and it and it it just landed upright, right back on the <laughs> launch pads, on two oh, different launch pads, and they showed the view of it, and I thought that I have, I mean, I've watched all these kind of launches. That's the first time, and this was a huge rocket. This thing was two hundred and something feet, two hundred and I forgot how high this was, two hundred and something, two hundred thirty, fifty something feet, whatever. Just amazing, and then to see I the bet, booster yeah. rockets come down and and land. I mean, it was just like, land. Hey, never, never <laughs> happened before. Such, and that is amazing. That, that is that amazing. just opened up a whole new <laughs> thing yeah. for oh. them, and to be able to do that, and you know, they don't have to go out in the middle of the, the ocean and you know scrape them up or whatever they do, but just or to see just that burn, burn them know, up or whatever um, they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah or they burn up on the yeah. reentry, but they no, they reentered and and. Landed upright and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" They just <laughs> man, something out of science fiction. I mean, really, it yeah. Is, yeah, it is. That's yeah, amazing. And it is. Amazing. It was, and the video of the you know the the whole launch and from the rocket view and everything and just watching them separate and you know that was uh, I mean it's just uh, that was really impressive. I'm I'm glad I saw that, but uh, just amazing. I, I'm glad go, on oh. YouTube. Check that out. Oh yeah. And, yeah, yeah. I didn't. I was watching TV. I didn't. I was watching news. I figured they'd, they'd pop in and say something or do something, but they didn't. So, so well, they, I, they, I, I know. I know. Thirteen, Fox Thirteen came in and it was like, oh, there's the launch. Okay, it goes. Whatever. And then that was it. And I go, oh, come on. So I went to Bay News Nine. Bay News Nine covered the whole thing. They're like, you know, Did this they? is historic. We're gonna, yeah. Oh man, they they had everything. I watch they Bay didn't News interrupt. Nine it. Too. Oh. Didn't interrupt it or anything. But yeah, I'm sure it's on. It's on social media by now but it's just a, yeah. so impressive watching that um, and, you know and when I, I i hear stuff and see stuff like that my thought always is to oh my gosh the engineering intelligence to be able to figure that oh, out it absolutely. just boggles yeah. my mind when i think that they're able to figure that out to be able to do that i mean right wow and return it to to i mean it was like off of it wasn't in the grass. It wasn't, you know, oops, we missed it. No, it was dead center of this circle the launch pad they had. And it just like, it slowed down and it, it touched down and then everything was out. And I was like, oh my God. Oh, I'm going to have to look that up on social media. Yeah. has to have that. YouTube, somebody has to have that because that's just. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. To see that. Yeah. That was, that was, yeah. that was amazing. So congratulations <laughs> to I think that was SpaceX, yeah. Um, yeah, the Falcon 9 Heavy, just a just a I think yeah. watch. SpaceX was that Ooh. launch, yeah. SpaceX. Wow. Yep. So, and the um, amount of money that they're going to be saving too. I mean, you know, the, the, oh, yeah. the space programs and the cost at the beginning, 
mm-hmm. the amount of money that they're going to be saving now with this, it's just yeah. mind boggling. Yeah. yeah it now it would be cool. No, it would be cool as they have the next rocket to go up standing there, and then they land, and then they go into place, and they go, are ready for the next one? <laughs> yeah. It's going to shoot the next one. <laughs> it's going to be so routine. It's like, well, eh, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Another launch. Yeah. 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 Wow. Um, Fantastic. Well, congratulations but, uh, to SpaceX and yeah. uh, all of them that did that. You know, engineers and everybody put that together. That's just. I can't obvious. imagine, like you said, yeah, how, how, how that had to come together like that what they did but uh wow so um a couple a couple of quick notes here too i mm -hmm. mentioned a couple weeks ago that i was having a hard time getting the back wheel onto my 10-speed bike and the chain around it and all that i Mm -hmm. told anybody who knows how let me know well i figured it out uh i have another 10-speed that is old and i'm going to end up selling it or giving it to somebody but I looked at that and I figured out how to do it and I got my wheels all back together and the chain works and the bicycle works and oh, I'm very proud of myself because I did that. So all right. that's Sarah. And not, uh, thank you, so, thank you. Not I not appreciate. not quite the same as what SpaceX accomplished, but I, I, no, I can get it. but <laughs> you know, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's an engineering feat for me. And it is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and then uh, I'm afraid that. Uh, Tomorrow I'm going to have to turn myself into jail because about an hour ago I got a phone call stating that my social security number has been flagged and that there's an arrest warrant out for me and uh, I need to, uh, you know, by the IRS, I got an arrest warrant. And so I, you know, they said press one to find out how to settle it. And I figured, I just hung up, figured I'll just go ahead and turn myself into jail. So uh, okay. I may be in jail tomorrow. And, you know, for how long, I don't know. I mean, so uh, hmm. I just let you know, if for some reason I don't make it next week, it's because I'm still in debtor's prison from IRS and their arrest warrant. So, so yeah. may or may not have a show next week. Is that what you're saying? That's so right. Yeah, it okay. depends on what IRS decides to do with me, you know, according to that <laughs> phone call anyway, so. <laughs> yeah, was it? Did you trace the phone call? It wasn't a scammer or something trying to get information no, from no, you or something. Did, well, it didn't say IRS on the caller ID, but it just you know I had mm. a phone number there and it said you know very important. Yeah, your social security <laughs> number has been flagged as you know being you know you you I don't know how they were you owe money an arrest warrant has been issued in your name. That sounds uh, like a scam. To, yeah, it, it really well, it did, but you know. I, I just figured I'll just go ahead and throw myself in and okay and forgo well, talking to you know just let the police yeah. settle it. That's all. Because if I go in and say I have an arrest warrant from the IRS, I'm turning myself in. I'm sure the police will take care of it from there. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds a little iffy there, but uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, go ahead and do that. And, uh... Yeah, you, you, you never know. <laughs> right. <laughs> Is that play it safe. Play it safe. <laughs> yeah. That's what I say. When it comes to IRS, you can't fool around. You got to play it safe. So. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, um, I really should have pressed one, and they said press one. I really should have pressed one, talked to them further, mm-hmm. but I just figured out, turned myself in. Let's go. So. Good <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so. Uh, <laughs> Mike's back no, with us this week. He was he was at the yeah. air show. I told everybody about the air show last week and that you were oh. there and that you got to, got to see the Blue Angels oh. and uh, oh, awesome. uh, which is the how they are. I've I've seen them before and they they are awesome. There's no question about it. Do you, you said you interviewed them? Yes, uh, they we were bussed in a small van across the field from where the main show was over to the main terminal, and I didn't know Lakeland used to be an airline terminal for Piedmont Airlines. Oh, I'm walking really? into this. Oh, I didn't know that. I walked in there, and it said baggage claim to the left. And I go, what? For what? You know, yeah. you, you get off the plane, you go to the car, you know. And, and sure enough, they have the little belt and everything, like they have at, you know, TIA or something. They have the little wow. belt that comes out of the, the chute and everything. And, and uh, walked through there, went out on the tarmac, and uh, the Blue Angels just arrived. This was on Thursday. And uh, seven of them, they landed, they taxied, and they taxied onto the tarmac right in front of us. 
and wow. shut the engines down. I have, I have video of them arriving. I, I just I put it on my YouTube, but it was it was it's not public yet. But um, and then after that, they split us up into groups of five. I think there were there was fifteen of us in the van. There were two groups, but uh, so they split us up, and we got in a little group, and then we went. They said, "Okay, you're number you're with number five, you're with number four, and and uh, so I got on eventually with number four, which was uh, Major uh, Jeff Mullins. And uh, he was uh, blue for his nickname's Daryl, and uh, he told us a story about that. And then we just got to talk to him. And, um, you know, if you had – I had my microphone, this microphone actually, and uh, used my phone to record it. And, uh, yeah, I got to talk to him, and, and uh, everybody you know, got to ask him questions. for like It was like 20, 20 minutes worth. And, uh, wow. That was – yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a pretty good thing. I never did that before. And uh, then they'd, they'd take us back to the main event and uh, got to walk around and stuff. So uh, – but man, it was hot. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. The weather out there was just just brutal heat. But uh, in the middle of the state, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was hot that um, anyway. Yeah. Just a just a, a great event, and and watching them fly is just uh, just amazing. But uh, oh, yeah. yeah, that was that was uh, that was very 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 interesting. But um, the Blue yeah, Angels. Was, what's what's the other one? There's the Blue Angels, and what's the other other uh, uh, Thunderbirds? Is that one of the Thunderbirds. one I know of? Is it Thund- yeah. yeah, Thunderbirds. Yeah, Thunderbirds and yeah. Blue Angels. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. both. So fantastic. I've seen the Thunderbirds a couple times and Blue Angels once. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. there you go. <clears throat> These guys were out of uh, Pensacola, Florida, so that's that's their oh. their main base, and uh, you know we got to ask them about their qualifications, how it is to fly, and you know all their uh, their interest in sun and fun and getting the word out and what they do, and, and it was a, it was a and performing, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, was, it was really really neat uh, talking and to them. So that's <clears throat> also for all of you out there who have not tuned in to Mike on his Sky Blue Radio program. <laughs> And listen to Sky Blue. Here's a you know some of the stuff they do for the show there. That was through Sky yeah. Blue that he did it. So yeah, it was cool. Thank you. So yeah. uh, check check that yeah. out also. But good. Except like sounds yeah. like a good time. Yeah. And we uh, I was telling the listeners a little bit about it last week that you weren't hearing what you were doing and <laughs> and I said you're going to see the Blue Angels. I didn't know you were going to interview one of them. So that's that's even yeah. more cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, we got it was it was exclusive uh, just for fifteen of us to go out there and uh, with they uh, us us in the media. I was like, hey, I'm in the media, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we got to got to talk to him, so that was good. But you know, I got home and I thought, oh, I'm gonna take a little nap, and you know, that's pretty much it. And nah, I took a nap till nine thirty p.m. Um, Thirty minutes before my other show was was gonna start. And I woke up and I thought it was like a work day and oh. I get up and I get up thinking, well, I'm going to be late for work, you know, cause I, I, I get up, you usually get up at 5 AM for work now. And I thought, Oh my God, what am I supposed to do? You know, do I have to call? Do I, you know, and all these things went in my head. And then I go, I had no idea it was PM and it was still Thursday. I thought, I was like, Oh, I was out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh no! Then your mind starts thinking. Well, wait a minute now. This is Sunday. You don't have to do anything. (laughs) (laughs) Then then everything else caught up to me, and I go, "No, wait! I got a show coming up in you know twenty minutes now." You know, ran in here, so yeah, that was pretty good. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was a a long day, but uh, yeah, very very good. good. Yeah. So, yeah, but y'all tune in Sky Blue Radio. Uh, Mike's, uh, Mike's. Uh, in fact, I'll, I'll ask Mike to put a post on uh, All About Wine Facebook, and then that way y'all can check it out there too, and, and get a link that way. So, a good way to do it. So, well, we're, we're huh. way into the show, and we haven't said anything about wine yet. So, oh, this is a wine uh, show. That's right. This is. <laughs> Yeah. Mike made some other contacts while he was there too, which we we mm-hmm. were going to be checking out and following up on and all that. But uh, yeah. he also made some some contacts. There's there's uh, Florida podcaster groups and stuff like that, which we had no yeah. idea about, and they're pretty big all over Florida. So we're going to be checking yeah. out that stuff and seeing about future here. So 
So, yeah. yeah. Good. So, um, small thing in the paper. I looked it up here. Uh, where's my, there it is. Uh, Dowling Museum here in Tampa, or actually St. Petersburg. It's in the heart of St. Pete, they, they call it, in the heart of the thriving art community of St. Petersburg. But they have a fundraiser coming up uh, on April the 14th, which is, I have no idea, what is today, the 11th? Uh, yeah, today's the 11th, so the 14th is Saturday. It is a an afternoon of art, food, and wine. Tickets are $90 for non-members. If you're a member, it's $80. I don't know how much it costs to be a member. It might behoove you to do that, but uh, it's uh, uh, not a member yet. Join today. Guests may view the galleries until 5.30, and then they will enjoy auctions featuring inspiring travel experiences, indulgent health and wellness packages, beautiful jewelry, unique artwork, exclusive dining packages, and more. These are things you can bid on for the fundraiser. And uh, you can also... Uh, uh, look at the photo album from last year. In fact, they have it here on this website. You can go to the website. The website's the Dally, T-H-E-D-A-L-I dot org slash event. And that's all it takes. It takes to it. International Diamond Center is a sponsor. is a grand sponsor. Publix is a uh, uh, reserve sponsor. And then they have other sponsors. And uh, they have wines and I'm trying to see if they have a list of the wineries or something and I looked over this but uh yeah they do uh they have brewing companies they have uh ciders they have food they have uh cigar city brewing is going to be there uh classical wines uh, let's see Marquis de Rascal featuring Sauvignon Blanc and Reserva uh, Michael David Winery with Sauvignon Blanc, Chardonnay Petit, Petit uh, Freak Show, Cabernet Sauvignon, and New Zinfandel. Uh, they have uh, L Works, uh, Three Daughters Brewing, a whole bunch of different things there, uh, and you know everything's included in the entry price. They have, uh, let's see. Uh, tastings from top restaurants, fine wines, craft beers, specialty spirits, live music, silent auctions, all of that on the picturesque downtown waterfront at the Dally Museum. So that's this Saturday. It is from, I'm going to give you the time when it starts, but I don't know. I think the museum's open during the day, so you can you can get your tickets for that and go and Check out the museum and stay for the event that evening. And uh, it starts at 5.30. So so that's coming up this Saturday. The Vinos de Dali is what it's called. An afternoon of art, food, and wine. And uh, it doesn't say here. Oh, man, here just brought me wine. What did she bring me? She brought me a red blend. La Manada. Mania. Manita, I guess, M-O-N-E-T-A, Manita. So check out that Dolly uh, event. If you're in the Tampa area or St. Petersburg area, that's this Saturday the 14th. And let's see, what she bring me? She brought me a red blend wine of chili. 2018 vintage, uh, this voluminous red blend is silky and complex with juicy notes of blackberry and red fruits and a touch of spice on its lingering finish. It doesn't say what griefs bottled by product of contains sorry, red wine. doesn't say what grapes, but chili, a red blend in chili usually consists of some Carmenier and some Cabernet, so more than likely it's a little bit of both of those. <coughs> so excuse me while I do a smell and a sniff. And ooh, I like the aroma. Um, a little black currant, 
blackberries in the room. Oh, pretty nice. Nice balance of tannins. Not real heavy, not real strong in the tannins. Not overpowering on the acid, but just enough there to give you that little little tingle on the tongue. Uh, some nice dark fruit flavors, and uh, I'm not. I'm picking up a hint of pepperiness at the end of, it. and that pepperiness comes from the carmineer. I'm sure I've always get that the carmineer, but uh, La Man- Manita Red Blend as well. Going to be enjoying tonight doing the show and doing sips here and there. So she just brought it to me. Thank you, engineer. Um, another thing I tell. Oh, food. Yes, we got we got food coming up uh, for this week. Uh, the calendar of food today, National Cheese Fondue Day. I mentioned that last week, and uh, if you haven't done so, tomorrow National Licorice Day. It's also National Grilled Cheese Sandwich Day. So make yourself a grilled cheese, and there's all sorts of ways. Oh, my gosh. There was a thing in the paper. I don't know how long ago. But it showed grilled cheeses, and it showed these were way beyond grilled cheese. These were like a meal in itself, all the stuff they were putting in it and all this stuff. Grilled cheese is cheese on a piece of bread and grilled and eight. Maybe if you're lucky, you can put a thin piece of ham on it or something. But National Grilled Cheese Day is tomorrow, and that would be good with some some wines. You can always find a good wine. Depends on what you do with your grilled cheese, but that goes well with wine. Saturday, National Peach Cobbler Day. Sunday, National Pecan Day. And uh, I've talked to you about the glassy wing sharpshooter. There is a glassy wing sharpshooter that spreads disease to pecans, too. So that's one of the reasons why pecans have been unstable on their prices over the last few years. Monday, IRS Day, Tax Day. Don't forget that. And you can sit down after you've sent your tax in to and enjoy National Glazed Ham Day. There's all sorts of good wines that go with glazed ham, so that opens it up a lot. Tuesday, National Baked Ham with Pineapple Day. Now, that is so odd. They have National Glazed Ham Day and the National Baked Ham with Pineapple Day. But that's all right with me because I like ham, and it's a good way to enjoy both of them and bring out a glass or a bottle of wine for each of them. Also Tuesday, National Eggs Benedict Day. Haven't had Eggs Benedict in 100 years. And Tuesday's also Day of the Mushroom. So you can put that mushroom on just about everything. Wednesday, National Cheese Ball Day. And to enjoy that cheese ball, it is also World Malbec Day. So an actual wine to enjoy with your wine. National Melbeck Day. If you're not having a Melbeck or if you've never had Melbeck, do so. They're nice wines. Uh, mostly good place to find Melbecks coming out of Argentina, but you can find them domestic ones and find them all over the place. But a lot of Melbecks are coming from from South America. But there's uh, the next Thursday, week from today, National Animal Crackers Day. So gives you some animal crackers are changed too. They got a new box and all sorts of stuff. And animals look different and everything. So National Animal Crackers Day next Thursday. So there's your food for this week that you can pair up with some wines and enjoy some wines with them. But uh, don't forget Monday Tax Day and National Glazed Ham Day. Another thing here before I get into the the meat. Well, two more things. Let's remind you of the Wine Spectator Grand Tour coming up. That is April 27th, May 2nd, and May 10th. 22nd at the Mirage, Las Vegas. May 2nd, Navy Pier in Chicago. May 10th, Fontainebleau Hotel in Miami. Uh, $200 for tickets. And what a deal, what a deal. All sorts of wine. So check that out. New wine competition, the Indianapolis or Indy International Wine Competition. This is one of the biggest ones in the country that they're asking for entries. Deadline, May the 10th. The event 
takes place on May 22nd and 23rd at uh, Purdue University. That's in West Lafayette. And so if you happen to make it, they, you can taste wines and stuff like that, that on these events. But it's always fun. They're given all sorts of medals and everything, different categories and all. But uh, the Indy International Wine Competition, one of the biggest ones in the country, actually, the Indy uh, Wine Festival is right on up there with the Finger Lakes and uh, Los Angeles and all that. Okay. That's uh, something. That, oh, I know what I'm going I'm to say. <clears throat> Let me pull this page up here and go to what I want. Okay. Mike asked the flavor, uh, asked the question about flavors in wine, and I answered it. But I found this article in, in uh, under Wine Folly. Uh, if you don't get Wine Folly, it's a good website. They send out a new email every week, I think it is. Uh, go to winefolly.com and you can subscribe to it. And they have a few things in it. It's interesting. It's very good. It's it's good stuff. But this article is, says, uh, understand the flavors in which wines. And wine starts with a seemingly simple question. Where do flavors come from? And I, I thought this was a good article. And it, go to, it goes into a little bit more detail on some stuff here that is interesting. It says, imagine yourself the size of a single atom floating on the surface of a glass of wine. And down at that level, the surface is quite turbulent. Ethanol molecules lift off from the surface of the liquid during evaporation, carrying with them a slew of other aromatic compounds. These compounds float into our noses and give wine its many flavors. So basically, that's how you get the, the smells of the wine. The, For example, grape juice. Let's say Pinot Noir is made into grape juice. You're going to get the grape juice smell and maybe a little smell of the, of the glass or something. But if it's made into wine, you're going to get smells of allspice, rose, cherry, vanilla, maybe pick up something of the soil that it was in. This is all picked up into the grape. So this is uh, one of the ways that you, you get the smells in wine. At the atomic level... Aromatic compounds in wine are basically identical. Uh, they're uh, smells you already know. When you sniff cherry in wine, you are smelling the identical aroma compounds that also come out from a freshly baked cherry pie. Okay, now that's just it really, it's the same compound. It's the same, you know, we're, we're talking on an atomic level here. It is the same. So that's what you're picking up. So red wines, you can get cranberry, red plum, pomegranate, sour cherry, strawberry, cherry, raspberry, boysenberry, black currant, black cherry, plum, blackberry, blueberry, olive. Notice most of them are darker berries and darker darker smells, which seems odd to say, but it's you understand, I'm sure, what I'm saying on that. So that's what you get on red wine. On, on white wines, is more of a fruitiness. Uh, red wines typically smell like berries, cherries, and plum, whereas white wines typically smell like citrus fruits or tree fruits or, or melons. You're going to pick up in white wine, you're going to be getting lime, lemon, grapefruit, orange, marmalade, uh, apple, pear, nectarine, peach, apricot, persimmon, pineapple, mango, guava, kiwi, lychee, banana. These are aromas that you pick up. And these are at the atomic level that these come out and your nose is perceiving these. Now, these, again, because it is at an atomic level, a lot of them are so subtle. But if you start looking for these different things, you will notice them. They will come out enough that you say, oh, 
but there's a little bit of apricot in that white wine, or there there's some uh, black currant coming out. And that's I pick up black currant quite a bit in red wines. I think that's a very common one that I pick up. Uh, so these are the aromas that you that you get in wine. Now, both red and white wines have subtle aromas of fresh flowers, roses, green herbs, leaves, uh, green vegetables, stems. Now, that's and sometimes they're not so subtle. These these come out quite often. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, there can also be fat, uh, bad smells in it. Okay, nail polish and petrol and and different things like that can come out. Aging in oak is going to also give you smells that aren't just in the fruit, like uh, vanilla, baking spices, uh, pine crust, caramel, uh, brown butter smell, tobacco, uh, cedar, coffee, leather, creosote, and chocolate. These are all different smells that oak can attribute to it. It depends on how toasted the oak is and how much it picks it up. Glass of Cabernet Sauvignon, you're going to find black currant, black cherry, uh, cedar, which is going to be coming from the oak, uh, baking spices. These are commonly found in Cabernet Sauvignon because this is what the berry brings out in the flavors, whereas Syrah or Syrahs, uh, more cocoa, plum, uh, pepper, tobacco, things like that. And Chardonnay, vanilla, Starfruit, apple, pineapple, uh, even butteriness, which that comes from the oak also. Whereas Sauvignon Blanc changes a little bit. You get white peach, grapefruit, gooseberries, green melon, passion fruit. These are things. You're not getting the vanilla so much because it's not oak so much. So, and, uh, you know, you're going to get different, pick up different ones because everybody's nose is different. It's why I tell people, if you smell something and somebody else doesn't, then that's okay for both of you because your noses are different and you might not pick up that smell. And if you don't smell something somebody else does, again, that's okay because it will vary on people's nose. Sometimes the aromas will jump out and be so pronounced that Everybody smells it, and sometimes it'll be so subtle that, you know, just a few people smell it. So there's, you know, a little bit more in-depth on what you're smelling and tasting in wines. We we discussed that two or three weeks ago. Mike was asking that question, and I saw this, and I want to get into it a little bit more because it is an interesting, interesting concept of where do these come from? People have always asked me that and uh, trying to help explain it a little bit more. Where do these smells come from? What causes this? And it's the fruit. It's, excuse me, these pollens and everything in the air is driving me crazy. So I apologize for my coughs here. My continuous coughs basically is what it is. Um, let me, I found something here. Let me see if I can find it quickly again. Here, yeah, here we go. This I thought was funny. I don't know if you ever had, but after I tell you about this, I'm sure you are going to go run into the kitchen and throw a grape into your microwave. Don't, all right? The internet is full of videos of people setting things on fire. Now, take a grape, cut it in half, leaving a little bit of the skin connecting on the two hemispheres. Don't separate it. Put it in the microwave for five seconds, and the grape half will produce a fireball unfit for domestic life. It will poof. And on camera, it, it's, people's going, wow, wow, wow. Don't do it. It's not good for the inside of your your microwave because it does create a little fireball. But if you cut the grape in half uh, and uh, do it, as long as you avoid melting your kitchen appliances, uh, it ch- turns out that after millions of YouTube viewers have seen it, uh, 
you can probably scorch maybe a half a dozen microwaves uh, around the country. But the uh, physicists point out that it's exciting and memorable, but of secondary interest, it's just something to see that it's fun. Uh, the grape is less like an antenna and more like a trombone, uh, though the microwaves, oh, no thanks. Uh, let's see, it popped up a thing over. Uh, you're pushing vibrating air into it, and the trombone will only sustain vibrations of a particular wavelength depending on where you position the slide. And so this is known as standing waves, and it fits perfectly inside the thing. So the vibrating air and the various wavelengths in the trombone cause it to wavelengths cancel each other out. So the same principle in the grape. The grape instantly is the perfect size for amplifying the microwaves that your kitchen machine radiates. So you can put a grape in your microwave. Now don't, again, just take it, cut it down, that's the two things, and stick it on a paper towel or something. Or I wouldn't, actually, I'd stick it right on the glass because it's easy enough to clean out and turn on the microwave for a very short time and you will see it sparking and, and bubbling and stuff. It really won't explode. I, I shouldn't say it explode. It just... Uh, it just burns and sparks and like it arcs and stuff like that. So just a fun thing to do. So a grape in the microwave. A interesting little fun experiment for you to to play with, to play with there. And uh, kids, you know, get your parents' permission. But if you are kids listening to this, then uh, drinking wine is fun anyway. So. Uh, Just something I saw that I thought was was just interesting and a fun thing there. And oops, we did that one also. I'm marking off my list here as I'm going through. Okay, next one here is a little bit longer, and I'm not not going to go all the way into this because it's it's rather technical. It talks about the sweetness in wine. The uh, the, the role of sugar in wine, what does it do? I mean, most people tend to like sweeter wines. Everyone starts out with their their uh, Booze Farm or, or Leifer Milch or stuff like this. And these are the wines that most people, in fact, I think just about everybody started on that type. I, I would say the big fancy wine sommeliers and all this that, for years, uh, you know, stuck your nose up about it and everything. I believe they may have started out with those and, and progressed to others. So it, it's not unusual. That's what the wines are out there for. But, but where does the sweetness come from? It's not added, although some wines do add a little bit. It, uh, it's not added. But where does it come? Well, let me get technical here for, for a minute. You know, sugars are the main source of perceived sweetness in wine, and they come in, in a lot of forms. Okay, inside of the grapevine, as in any plant, the primary source of substrate is sucrose. And in animals, it is glucose. We have glucose that is, uh, travels in our body, but sucrose is in plants. Sucrose is uh, a combination of a single glucose and a single fructose molecule. These break down during the ripening of the grape, so a fermenting must always starts with equal parts of glucose and fructose. All right, now that's really you know pretty simple there. It, it, you one part glucose, one part fructose, and you start your fermentation, and that's you know as the two sugars. Uh, sac Saccharomyces, which basically translates to sugar fungus, consumes glucose. So as a result, 
residual sugar is typically composed of 60 to 70% fructose because the Saccharomyces or sugar fungus consumes the glucose. Though this can vary with different grapes and different yeast strains and stuff like that. So it's just, you know, it's a rough guesstimate there. Because fructose molecules interact with the sweetness receptors on our taste buds at a very high rate of efficiency, fructose tastes twice as sweet as glucose. So there you go. This is part of the reason the packaged food industry relies so heavily on a high fructose corn syrup. That, and it's, it's also very cheap to make. But that's why fructose is used more so than any other because the taste bud receptors perceive that much more efficiently than, uh, glu- uh, than uh, glucose or, or uh, sucrose. These are, you know, the sweetness in. So other sugars are present in small amounts, which is really basically negligible. And, you know, I can, you know, five carbon sugars uh, also are in it, and, and the Saccharomyces will not consume them. Uh, they're referred to as unfermentable sugars. And they really aren't very sweet on the human tongue. And they're usually not talked about. They're in small amounts of wine. And it's something that people just, you know, basically ignore. Uh, Some of them are ate up by Brettomyces, which is a strain of lactic acid bacteria. But that's, you know, another whole talk there. So that is basically what sugar is in your wine. That's where you detect the sweetness in your wine. Now, oak, in the form of toasty new barrels, has long been thought to contribute to sweetness of wine. But in 2017, just a couple of years ago, scientists in Bordeaux discovered a set of molecules called, and I have no idea how to pronounce this big, long name, which are released from oak during fermentation. These molecules are small but mighty, influencing the taste of wine at even low doses due to the extreme sweetness of them. But they're not sugars. Okay. Oak sugar could also be characterized as artificial sweeteners, like stevia, if you will. Their sweetness is a trick of their physical composition. They're able to interact with receptors on our tongues at a much higher rate than actual sugar. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen, let me mention this just quickly. Your tongue has receptors in it. Some areas have heavier receptors, more receptors of taste than others, although there's taste buds all over your tongue, but there's some. Now, I've read articles that say that that's not true. Uh-oh, maybe that's IRS calling me again, telling me that they're on their way. <laughs> the police department. <laughs> the police department is on their way. We just got a notice from the IRS that we have a warrant for your arrest. Uh, <laughs> Press one if you're home now. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of wait till the show was over. They had to do it right in the middle of the show. Oh my gosh! Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so your tongue has receptors in it, little, little small receptors, and there's areas that in your tongue that are are fuller. And like I said, I've read articles that said that's not true. Recent studies have shown that the whole tongue is the same. And I've read other articles that say, no, it's not. I've always understand, always heard that the tip of your tongue has a cluster of sweet receptors. And then different areas of your tongue, you know, for sour and bitter and salt and umami and kukami. These are all different parts of the tongue that have heavy receptors, although they're everywhere. That doesn't mean you can't detect at other places of all these, but the tip of the tongue. But the way these receptors work for anything uh, is picture a puzzle, a jigsaw puzzle. This piece will fit right in this spot here, but it's not going to fit into the other spots because it is made for this spot. That's the same way your tongue works. 
the sugars, the fructose and glucose and all this stuff, the actual sugars, fit right into those spots, and so therefore you detect it. It doesn't fit into the sour slot or the bitter slot or the uh, umami or any of that. It just fits into that. That's why oak and the sweetener from that tends to trick the tongue into detecting these and detecting more sweetness. I, I, I hope that's you know easy to understand. I tried to break it down. So oak contributes to sweetness, but it's not the sweetness that your tongue's looking for, but it's the sweetness that it picks up and detects. So the brain say, oh, well, then that's sweet because the tongue says it is. And so that's the type of sweetness that uh, oak contributes. Uh, Bricks is a, a measurement of the uh, bricks is uh, checked in the field by the refractometer, and it measures the density of the sweetness, not the sugar, basically. All sorts of things affect bricks. The sugars, the acid, the tannins, uh, any, actually any soluble acid is going to affect bricks. So as freshly harvested grapes are composed around 25% sugar, sugar is the dominant component in the density. So because of this, it's often a strong correlation between bricks and the final alcohol. But that's not always true. It can vary from that. Depending on the condition of the vintage and there may be less solids in a given year and which can affect how closely bricks correlates to the alcohol and all that stuff. So that's why the winemakers check stuff in during fermentation to be sure all this is doing what it's supposed to be doing and everything else. And he does other tests too. I mean, with the refractometer in the vineyard, it's just a little instrument that you check the bricks and that's the first step. A lot of times those who are harvesting will pop the grape in their mouth and that's almost as good as detecting if it's ready to harvest as opposed to refractometer. And then they do more tests once the grapes come in and start balancing from there. Uh, Pure water, for example, has a bricks reading of zero. So, and ethanol has a bricks reading of a, a negative. So these, you know, these are all things that will make a difference. So, uh, and yeast converts sugar to ethanol, and so that changes the density of the sugars there also. So, uh, and I'm not going to get into the more technical. They go into even even more technical in this article here, but I'm not going to get into it here. I just, uh, but I want to tell you this is what you perceive when you taste the sweetness in wines is and how they arrive at the sweetness wines. Uh, Champagne, for example, though the primary purpose of dosage in champagne is to balance the acidity, it also serves to counter the lifting effect of CO2, which forms uh, sort of a weak carbonic acid and it also as well is helps lift the phonelics in the grapes this soothes the bite uh, especially the bitterness uh, that you find in Voynet and Gerberstraminer and Pinot Gris uh, and so these are drier whites and because of being drier whites you have other things that play into it because the sugar is not part of the the re- equation, not part of the what you're you're doing and what you're playing with. So that's just you know I, again without getting you know I can go on into some of this stuff here, but uh, try to keep it s- simple, not because I don't think you all understand it, just simply because 
if somebody's explaining some of this stuff to me, I just sort of go, oh, okay, and I, I lose track of it. So, uh, but when you talk about sugar, the role of sugar in wine, it's it's a combination of the glucose and fructose molecules. And when you... Saccharomyces consumes the glucose, which leads to fructose, which is what picks up the molecules that is what picks up in the sweetness receptors on the taste buds, and that's why the sweetness comes out more. And then a special type of sweetness is imparted from oak that is a... Uh, a, a fake sugar, a, a fool you sugar that interacts with the taste buds and creates even more of a sweetness. So oak can come out. A lot of times winemakers will take the oak and try to downplay that sweetness, especially in, in red wines. You won't pick it up as much, but it does impart some sweetness. So I saw that I wanted to explain to you a little bit about the sweetness uh, factor in wines and tell you what that was and what it does there so uh, hope that explains it hope you understand what that that is and if you have any questions about it email me or, or contact me I will be happy to you know, I, I can always uh, send you the article. Or you can go to the article. Go to Wine Folly, and it's, it's from a couple months back. But uh, interesting article. <clears throat> Another sip of the evening's wine. That's nice. Nice red blend. Since it's been in the glass for a little bit, too, I'm... Um, Starting to get more of a blackberry flavor coming out in it, it seems. What whenever we talk <coughs> whenever we talk people, we get a business card. You talk to someone who's in the wine business or you walk in a liquor store and, and the person who's the buyer or something like that. Or fancy places and the person hands you the business card and you see all these letters after the after the name and you have no idea what they are as far as you're concerned and as far as most people are concerned except the people who know what they're talking about all these they can just put any letter down there and you you, you know the more letters you see after a name the more impressed we are Ooh, they're a member of this and they're a member of that and they're a member of this only because you see all of these bunches of letters and it could mean anything i mean you know, there's a, uh, you know, G-O-B-F-F. And you go, oh, he's a member of G-O-B-F-F. And you say, what does that mean? That means that stands for a good old boy from Florida. And, and you know, you have no idea unless you ask. But uh, I'm going to tell you what some of this stuff means. And so in this way, you will have an idea of what it is. All right, Wine and Spirit Education Trust, WSET. It offers qualifications in tiers from one-day beginner courses to advanced level four diploma. WSET's education is delivered via accredited classroom and online providers around the world. And all the examinations are conducted in person. Final exams for level three and level four certification require tasting evaluations codified in the widely recognized WSET systematic approach to tasting. A WSET's grid, uh, which gets more in-depth as students advance in level, classifies the sensory acts involved in the drinking wine. This is beneficial for those who want to hone their palate and tasting skills. This program is growing in popularity. According to Westset, 
there were 14,204 U.S.-based candidates during 2017-2018 academic period, 24% growth from the previous period. So WSET, if you see WSET, it's a four-level course that is done in person on tastings and stuff like that. Court of Master Sommeliers. The sommelier offers customers stewardship and service generally in an on-premise setting. However, such expertise has value other than just that. Uh, I, we, I need to get a hold of uh, our friend in Las Vegas, see if she's passed her sommelier test. Irene, Irene, yeah, Irene, thank you. Um, and uh, you know, there's um, different ones work in uh, restaurants and hotels and do all sorts of. Uh, the certification is versatile. Uh, the this one person here they're talking about serves as a wine ambassador for wines of San Diego County and also works as a winery and sales representative, educator, and wine judge. The Court of Sommelier study is capped by four exam levels that culminate with a Master Sommelier diploma exam. Said to be one of the world's most challenging tests, there are only 255 Master Sommeliers in the world. Wow. You think about that now. So that's uh, it's quite a test. In fact, we talked to Irene about the sommelier test, and she said it was a bear. You have to go through, you know, you have to do all sorts of stuff. And it's not just about wine itself, but it's the knowledge of worldwide wines and serving it and all sorts of good stuff on it. So uh, master sommelier, court of master sommelier or master sommelier. Then you have Institute of Masters of Wine. Alongside the Master Sommelier is the Institute of Masters of Wine, IMW. There are only 379, as opposed to worldwide Master Sommelier, or 255. There are 379 Masters of Wine in the world currently, including wine enthusiast contributing editor, Excuse me. These individuals have completed self-directed study in three stages and prep for the notoriously difficult MW exam. And the arrangement includes work with a mentor, research paper, and an annual residential seminar. Excuse me again. Again, the pollens and everything is driving me insane. Applications to the IMW depends, or I'm sorry, demands the WSET diploma or equivalent. So you can't just apply for it. You already have to have the Wine and Spirit Education Trust Diploma. <coughs> Excuse me again. To be able to apply for the uh, Institute of Masters of Wine class. Or better, it's like getting a bachelor's degree or master's degree to go to the next level. Requirements also include three years of current or continuous professional wine involvement. Also a recommendation from a current master of wine member or senior trade professional and completion of a practical and theory assignment. So that's uh, IMW from the Institute of Master Sommeliers, our Master Wine, and MW, which is a Master of Wine. Next one, Wine Scholar Guild. For students who prefer to focus on a particular country, the Wine Scholar Guild, or WSG, offers French and Italian studies with Spanish beginning in the fall of this year all which is rather specialized with master-level certification for the regions. WSG offers classroom and online curriculum that's either instructor-led or independent body 
back. <coughs> excuse me, I'm sorry. Backed by reading materials, quizzes, and a comprehensive manual. Exams are also conducted in person or with online proctor. Students are also eligible for an immersion study trips and membership benefits like access to past webinars and private forums. Nearly 30% of WSG or Wine Scholar Guild students say they don't work in the wine industry. Hmm. Uh, all of the wine programs uh, had wine professionals in them. There's nothing preventing you from developing the same level of knowledge they possess, but it is a lot of studying and a lot of work to get to that level. And these, again, are specialized. These are French and Italian and Spanish wines, and that's it. Society of Wine Educators, Society of Wine Educators, SWE, offers a range of self-study programs. They include specialists and educator certifications in wine and spirits, as well as a hospitality and beverage specialist course. <clears throat> the programs culminate with a multi-choice exam taken at testing centers, which are located in major cities around the country, I guess around the world, didn't see. The Certified Specialist of Wine, which is CSW, is the organization's most pursued designation with more than 8,700 graduates. Students can utilize a study guide, flashcards, quizzes, workbooks, webinars, seminars, and other support materials from SWE, which is the Society of Wine Educators. Individual says, I love the CSW course because you can take a seminar in a region and build on that to earn your credential. So understanding why wine is selling, the styles, variations, and growing regions is a great boost. That's two different ones there, the SWE, Society of Wine Educators, and the CSW, Certified Specialist of Wine. And then the next one here is International Sommelier Guild, or ISG. This course offers, beginning with its eight-week international wine certificate, which consists of six hours of study per week. Once successfully completed, students go on to the 16-week advanced wine certificate, also six hours per week, and ultimately take the 30-week, 10 hours per week sommelier certification course. Education comes via classrooms around the world as well as online with instructors, contact, and proprietary materials. Novelist Patrick Ember enrolled in an ISG program after he devoured wine books and online learning. When he'd taken to quizzing himself, he knew it was time to enter the formal class. He says, ISG is a respected entity with long history of providing quality education and the classroom approach and access to an instructor who is a trained sommelier appealed to him. So that is that. Um, all options require time, dedication, and money. So it's important to stay inspired. Understanding the growing practices, climate differences, and winemaking rules and styles really opens your eyes to why wine is such a living thing. So there you go. Each of those are different ones. Again, let me tell you, just so you know, Wine and Spirit Education Trust, that's S R W S E T. that's sort of the beginning to get some of these others, Court of Master Sommelier, that is the next step. Institute of Masters of Wine, IMW, or just Masters of Wine, MW, which only 379 people in the world have that designation. The Master Sommelier MS Diploma, only 275 people worldwide have that designation. 
Wine Scholar Guild, WSG, specialized in individuals, only three countries, right? two right now, the third will be joining. Society of Wine Educators, SWE, and the Certified Specialist of Wine, CSW. And International Sommelier Guild, ISG. So there you go. This is what all those letters after a person who is a wine person and hands you a business card. That's what all those letters mean. And you can do it too. Again, time, money, and ambition. Because it's not something you can just do on a whim. It's something that you really got to know and really have to have a passion for because it's not something that uh, you can just say, okay, I'll do it for a little bit. It's something, once you spend your monies and once you start doing it, it's something you have to dedicate yourself to and do it. So there you go. Um, Don't forget ham coming up on Monday and Tuesday next week. Melbeck Day next Wednesday. And then this Saturday, the... uh, Dally Museum Afternoon of Art, Food, and Wine. So, mm. good happening. A lot of things yes. happen. A lot of things. Uh, <laughs> oh, let's see. All right. So, uh, we are at uh, about almost 8.07 p.m. And yeah. um, we I guess we'll. Uh, go ahead and close the show out for this week, and we'll be back next week, April the 18th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on Blog Talk Radio. So, uh, let me. Uh, uh-huh. That's April 18th, day before Passover begins, and day before mm-hmm. Good Friday. So, all mm-hmm. of you out there, that's next Thursday evening. So, very good. So, so. Join us, and uh, thank you for tuning in again, whether it's live or in the archives. Uh, really appreciate it. And uh, for more information on the shows, you can go to allaboutwinebtr.com. That's our homepage, and it's also where you find the live chat button and uh, show information. So, um, any And if you want to be a guest. About, yeah. <laughs> now, any questions about anything I covered uh, on any show, too, you can always get a hold of me. I'll be happy to respond to any questions you have because we went to a little bit more tech on some of those things tonight so yeah absolutely so, yeah covered the uh, flavors of, of uh, wine again so that was good yeah <laughs> flavors yeah, of wine. that's always always <laughs> something that reminds people of. Mm-hmm. Um, well, all right thanks again and uh, have a great week we'll see you all next thursday take care thank you all for tuning thank in thank you This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archive shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine.